Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The government remains open. The Omicron variant. We've seen Omicron in about five states now. Specific travel restrictions from a set of countries. Go get your booster now. Go get it now. The government's November employment report. A huge miss. But the unemployment rate. 4.2. Roe versus Wade. How the Supreme Court will rule. It's now on Russia to de-escalate the current tensions. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Friday. A lot to talk about today. WNCT has uh, an interesting story concerning uh, population growth. Uh, Actually, 2019 to 2020, U.S. population overall only grew by 0.35%. That's the slowest rate since the nineteen since nineteen hundred. Um, declining births, increasing deaths. You know, it's sort of interesting. You would have thought. Well, it'll be interesting to see what twenty twenty one does with everybody having to stay home because of uh, the coronavirus. Um, was that a time where we're going to see a uh, pop in the number of new babies the following year, which would have been twenty twenty one? I wouldn't be surprised. Yet, nonetheless. Certain segments of this country had a higher-than-average growth in population. And what's interesting about this is North Carolina overall had a pretty good growth in population, but a lot of eastern North Carolina uh, did much better than average. Uh, Nash County in uh, here in eastern North Carolina uh, grew by... Uh, a good margin. I'm just going to throw out the names. I'm not going to go a lot of detail, but Craven County is another one. Um, uh, I'm going through the list here. Carteret County, Dare County, uh, Currituck County, Pitt County was one of them. So a number of counties here in the east um, had healthy growth down towards uh, Wilmington. Brunswick County is one of them as well. New Hanover County, Onslow County had good growth, Johnson County. So uh, overall, Eastern North Carolina did pretty well. Uh, The number one county for growth in the state was Wake County, followed by Mecklenburg County. But uh, overall, uh, the growth in uh, North Carolina, which under the North Carolina Republican legislature, has been very, very positive for business growth. And uh, as a result, you have some population growth as well. You would expect it in Wake County and Mecklenburg County, but to see a number of counties here in the east grow is uh, very encouraging. Uh, Speaking of Wake County, the News and Observer is reporting today that some parents and community activists want criminal charges to be filed against North Carolina's largest school system for distributing books to students that contain graphic language and images about sex. Now, this is not the first time we've heard this kind of thing happening. If you remember, it was a couple of months ago, the mayor of Hudson, Ohio, came to a school board meeting and basically said, as your mayor, I'm telling you, you either resign or we're going to press charges for the same thing. That is, these books that are pornographic, available and in some cases being um, shoved onto the students. There was one story that we reported on not too long ago where the library was prominently displaying on, uh, as you walk in on the main desk, one of these books, I think it was Lawn Boy, 
And look, the, the, the people that are saying that, you know, these are good books, that they're affirming to the LGBTQA community, these books are pornographic. And if you're telling us that we shouldn't bar these books because this is representative of the LGBTQA community, then you're, you're not giving a very good picture of what that community is all about, what those people are all about, what the themes of those communities are all about. Because these books are not just, okay, we live a different lifestyle. They are graphic. And I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go into the details. You, you can you can connect the dots, but they are graphic, and in some cases they're they're proposing sexual relationships between adults and children. It's illegal. What we're talking about is criminal. Nonetheless, you do have proponents. There's uh, one woman out here. Her name is, uh, her last name is Caldwell Stone, goes by a hyphenated name, and basically trying to defend these books, saying we're, we're seeing what seems to be a loosely organized effort through social media seeking to control what's available in school libraries and school curricula and to remove books, particularly those reflecting the LGBTQA themes and the lives of LGBTQA people, Deborah Caldwell-Stone, the American Library Association's director of the Office for Intellectual Freedom, this is what she said in the interview. And again, it's interesting how people like Caldwell-Stone try to vilify parents wanting to clean up libraries from this extremely graphic sexual content. And it's as if these parents are on some sort of book-burning tour. Yet at the same time, again, we're told that the LGBTQA themes and people have nothing to do with pornographic sex. So then why are you defending these books that are pornographic sex? I'm not saying that everybody in this community is participating in this, but this is what these books would make you think. A group, Moms for Liberty, which initially founded the fight school mask mandates, is now targeting what it calls books in the school libraries. Julie Page, one of the Wake County parents, filed a complaint. And so now this has gone to the Wake County Sheriff's Office. Nine criminal complaints filed on Tuesday. These... Um, Caldwell Stone goes on to say, these works in no way meet the legal test for, for obscenity for minors. Folks, I've seen some of these books. Uh, if you remember our Lieutenant Governor, Mark Robinson, he released a video and, the, you know, they had a, a task force. And one of the things they looked at was th these pornographic books that were in schools. And, uh, I mean, you, you, it was, uh, this stuff, as one of the parents said, it is R-rated at best. And if you're really going to be generous, it's R-rated. And we're talking about minors here. Uh, minors can't get into an R-rated film by themselves. I would say it goes well beyond, I mean, when you're talking about things that 
are occurring in these books. You're talking about X-rated. Anyway, this uh, Caldwell Stone, she goes on to say, these works in no way meet the legal test for obscenity for minors. I disagree with her. It's an individual decision that should lie with each parent and not a group of parents that's trying to require a government institution to adhere to their particular themes on sexual identity. Well, wait a minute. I mean, again, we've had one more, more than one story about how these books are being displayed, featured, and I'd say pushed upon students. I mean, I, I would be shocked if there hasn't been, and, I, if I'm, if I'm, and I'm not saying this has happened in Wake County. I have no proof of that, but I do know there have been places across the country, including up in Loudoun County, where there's been assignments related to these books. But they're making it sound like the parents, uh, who, by the way, remember these parents, remember uh, Terry McAuliffe running for the governor? And uh, he's not alone. He's, uh, uh, that wasn't an outlier statement. He accidentally spoke the truth when he said parents have no business telling schools what ought to be in their child's education. Uh, so wh- while she says that a group of parents are trying to require the government institution to adhere to their particular themes on sexual identity, why shouldn't they have a say-so? Why is it that the inference here is exactly what Terry McAuliffe said? Parents, you have no business telling the government institution what to teach your kids. We'll take care of that. We're in charge of your kids. You're not. A group of parents trying to require a government institution to adhere to their particular themes on sexual identity. I would also say it's not a group of parents. It's a majority of parents. I would guess it is a vast majority of parents. I would say if these parents could see these books and you took a vote, I, I, I cannot believe that a majority of parents said, yeah, that's good. Let's keep that stuff in our libraries. I don't think so. I think it would be overwhelming. They'll never put it to a vote because they know they would lose. Whatever happened to we've got a government of the people, by the people, and for the people? That seems to have gone out the window. Uh, Three cheers for these groups that have filed charges now, we'll see where it goes. I mean, we've got story after story. There's, In fact, there's another one up in Loudoun County where, um, by the way, the uh, what, what is equivalent to uh, the county attorney up there, um, she, yes, she was uh, put into place. Her name is uh, Buddha Bibiraj. Uh, by B-I-B-E-R-A-J. Um, she is a George Soros-funded attorney there in Loudoun County. And uh, she very much has been on the side of the activist at the school that want to teach CRT and want to promote such books as what we've talked about uh, previously, these uh, number of uh, books. I've got the names of them here, uh, including books like All Boys Aren't Blue, 
Uh, what are some of the lawn boy, gender queer, George? Uh, she's all for continuing to promote these books. So um, she has come out and says she does not plan to recuse herself from the legal battle to remove school board chair Brenda Sheridan, despite the fact that a judge disqualified this attorney from a similar case against a former school board member and despite her alleged involvement in some of the claims against Sheraton. So, in other words, she's got a huge conflict of interest, but she's a George Soros-funded individual, and, I mean, to the point of nearly a million dollars. I mean, why would George Soros give this individual $861,000 to be a county attorney up in Loudoun County? And by the way, remember, we just had the story early this week up in Fairfax County. They've come out and they said, well, yeah, we removed the books to remove to, to review them. But that just this week, they said they're going to reinstitute the books. They're going to put the books back into circulation. Um, and again, you, you look at all this and this Deborah Caldwell Stone says, a, a group of parents have no right to interfere with what the government institution wants to do. <laughs> really? So as citizens of the United States, as citizens of Wake County, as citizens of North Carolina, uh, you peons have no right to tell this government institution what to do or where to go. We've got, we, yeah, the government institution, they've got more sense about what to teach your kids than you do, parents. I'm telling you, and, and just this week, I think it was just yesterday, we talked about that, that survey where a vast majority of parents were four opportunity scholarships so that they might send to the, their children to the school of their choice, including private schools. And you wonder, gee, why? What a surprise that is, that a majority of parents want to be ha have the ability to send their kids somewhere else. And again, folks, don't think that this is not a possibility in your school system, in your county. Again, that's why we need to get rid of the Department of Education. Where does it start? Why, why do all these schools across the nation, all of them seem to be fighting this kind of garbage entering into our school system? Is it coincidental that, gee, all of a sudden, all these schools just happen to get these same books in? No, it's because it's coming from the top. And if you don't think it's in your school system, I hope it's not. But... Uh, and I know there's good people in in our public school system. I mean, I hope I hope those I hope the good ones stay in there and look at it as a mission field. But don't think it's not happening just because you're in eastern North Carolina in a rural county. Don't think that you're exempt from it. Hey, we got to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. Friday's edition of News and Views continues right after this. can't promise that every person will get every gift they want on time. Only Santa Claus can keep that promise. Oh, 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 oh no. Ouch. No pressure, Santa. Oh, 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 oh. Oh. Thanks a lot, Brandon. That's Biden. Uh, yeah, Biden. Feeling the pressure of the holidays will help take the pressure <laughs> off and give you news updates throughout the show. Oh, thank you. So keep it locked on news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. 
I love it. That's the first time I heard that bumper. Well done, Clark. Um, taking a look at your weather forecast, it is going to be an incredible weekend. Tonight, mostly clear, low around 48. Sunshine on Saturday, a high near 74. Partly cloudy Saturday night, low near 46. Sunday, mostly sunny, a high near 66. Monday, partly sunny with a high near 75. So get out and enjoy. Um, I have a hunch that it's not going to last forever, but uh, while we got it, we're going to enjoy it. The um, Stacey Abrams, we uh, told you earlier this week, she's announced that she's going to run for uh, governor again. You know, what's interesting. Remember all, well, you don't have to re- remember it because they, they remind you of it every day. The mainstream media continues to harp on the fact that Donald Trump refused to concede that how dare he say that uh, there was improprieties in last year's presidential election. Uh, Stacey Abrams said on Thursday that she didn't challenge the results of the 2018 Georgia governor's race following her loss to Brian Kemp. During an appearance on MSNBC's The Rachel Maddow Show, uh, Abrams said that on November the 16th, 10 days after that year's election, she acknowledged she would not be the Georgia's next governor and that Kemp had won the election. However, she refused to officially concede, saying that the election was rigged by voter suppression and even made subsequent claims that she was the true winner. Yeah. Why is she not getting slammed with the same veracity that Donald Trump got slammed and continues to get slammed? Just asking. So... Yesterday, there was a vote to advert a government shutdown with a continuing resolution. Basically, the uh, Congress punted, so they will continue to fund the government between now and February the 18th, a CR, continuing resolution. Late last night, the Senate voted 69 to 28. Uh, it barely passed in the House. Basically, it went along party lines. The House passed the continuing resolution 221 to 212. Representative Adam Kinzinger, the only Republican to vote with the Democrats, the only one. Some Republicans, like Representative Chip Roy, this is uh, cut one, Clark. Chip Roy, um, he wanted to fund the Fund, he wanted to tie, I should say, the funding of the government to Joe Biden's vaccine mandate. Yesterday, he gave a great speech. I wish he had given it to the senators. I mean, I, I cannot believe that 28 Republican senators voted for this. But nonetheless, they did. Uh, more than that did, actually. 69 to 20. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I said uh, 28, 28 voted against it. I cannot believe that 19 voted for it, which is uh, what happened. But Chip Roy went to the floor of the House yesterday. He's a representative from Texas, and he gave a great speech, short and quick, but very concise, a clear picture as to why voting for this continuing resolution was a terrible idea. There's a lot of noise in this town right now about government shutdowns. The fact of the matter is the issue isn't about shutdowns. It's about whether or not members of this body will continue to use money we don't have to fund mandates, indoctrination, and the use of force against your citizens. $73.5 billion for the Department of Education. 
that subsidizes the indoctrination of our children with critical race theory and woke gender ideologies. $10 billion for an FBI that was just used by the Attorney General of the United States to target parents. $50 billion for a Department of Homeland Security that leaves our borders wide open, empowering cartels because Secretary Mayorkas fails to faithfully execute the laws of the United States. $6 billion for the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases run by Fauci, Dr. Fauci. Need I say more? $592 million for OSHA, which has imposed an unconstitutional vaccine mandate on 84 million Americans. I offered an amendment to strip any funding from this bill that would fund federal vaccine mandates, and it wasn't able, even able to see the light of day. The issue is a Congress that is supposed to use the power of the purse, our Article I authority, rather than hiding behind the judges of Article III to check the executive branch. We have a moral obligation to give voice and representation to the people who elected us, whose liberty and livelihoods are being attacked. My friend who battles MS is looking to be terminated from the university she teaches at because of the unlawful federal contractor mandate. The medical hero in Texas who is nine months pregnant facing termination under the unlawful CMS mandate. The military personnel, including the 13-year Army veteran in my district, concerned about myocarditis, facing being discharged from service of his country. These are our neighbors, our relatives, our friends, maybe not for some of you who go home to double-masked people driving by themselves in vacant vaccine passport cities, but these are real Americans that this government wants to go after. I urge my colleagues to stop empowering the executive branch, tyranny over Americans, and I urge my Republican colleagues to not just vote no and give a speech, but go stand with Mike Lee, go stand with senators and others in the Senate trying to defend these Americans. We should not fund tyranny over the American citizens. Bingo. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Chuckles the Clown Schumer gets up and starts complaining about how irresponsible Republicans would be if they didn't vote for this continuing resolution. Where is he when it comes to talking about the responsibility when you pass legislation that spends trillions of dollars that we have to borrow from the Chinese Communist government? We don't have. Why is inflation up around 7 8%? Because we're printing money and spending money that we don't have. The CR's fate was less certain in the Senate. There was an agreement reached to vote on amendments, an amendment from Mike Lee and Roger Marshall from Kansas to defund Biden's vaccine mandate. That failed Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin did not vote for that, failed 48 to 50. Uh, John Thune and Bill Haggerty had missed the vote. Uh, I mean, it had it been 50-50, Kamala Harris would have come in and voted with the Dems. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell had earlier on Thursday dismissed the idea of a government shutdown during an interview with Fox News. Yeah, Mitch will fall into line. I mean, really, listen, it's going to hit the fans sometime. And Republicans don't want to be blamed as being irresponsible, so they're going to vote for the continuing resolution. Chuckles the Clown Schumer tries to intimidate them by saying, how dare you do something irresponsible and not voting for the continuing resolution. Republicans need to stand firm and say, look, we have not voted for this garbage. In fact, I thought that's what uh, Mitch McConnell said he was going to do, wasn't it? Didn't he come out and say... Okay, well, don't come to us to fund your boondoggles. And yet, what do they do? Continuing a resolution. 
punt it, kick it down the road. And what do you think is going to happen next February? You think suddenly then they're going to have this great revelation, a road to Damascus experience, and suddenly they're going to say, "We're not. no, we told you we weren't going to fund it. They'll fund it again. Could we please get some people with some gonads? <laughs> that South African physician who informed the world about the new coronavirus, Omicron, said, let me be clear, nothing I've seen about this new variant warrants the extreme action of the UK government has taken in response to it, she wrote in the Daily Mail. No one here in South Africa is known to have been hospitalized with the Omicron variant, nor is anyone here believed to have fallen seriously ill with it. And yet you've got uh, Cousin Eddie shutting down flights from Africa. And now they're talking about anybody flying in from anywhere is going to have to quarantine for seven days. Um, interesting, Tucker Carlson said what I said. He said last night what I said yesterday. Uh, and I wish Tucker would quit stealing my material. But listen, get ready for it. I realize the midterm selections are uh, a year away. Get ready for it. Get ready to see election fraud 2.0, what you saw happen in the last presidential election. Get ready for it. You know, hopefully this Omicron will fall on its face and hopefully, and people are already there to a large degree realizing this is the little boy that cried wolf, that there's nothing to this. But uh, nonetheless, I fully expect the Democrats to try to make something out of this. So somehow, and, and listen, they're, they're working on it as we speak. Somehow they can come in and manipulate the midterm elections. I mean, I've said all along, the Democrats will get shellacked if we have a fair and honest election. And unfortunately, that's a big if. Another thing going against the Democrats, town halls reporting. I don't know who's in charge of the Democrats. Now, granted, I understand they've got the mainstream media behind them that gladly carries the water for them. But whoever is putting out some of these tweets from the uh, Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee is not the brightest bulb in the pack. (laughs) Democrats are actually expecting you to thank Joe Biden for gas prices right now. No, I'm not kidding. The, um, they released a tweet saying you need to thank Joe Biden because of the drop in gas prices. Inconceivable. <laughs> they, they put up this graph and the graph, I mean, it's a, it's a full graph, but it goes on, on the, you know, on the Y axis, it goes from a high of $3 and 41.5 cents. So they actually break it down in half pennies to a low of 3.37.5 cents, $3.37 and a half cents. So that's a whopping spread of four cents. Now they actually <laughs> have it divided up into eight segments. 
And as to make this two-cent drop look like it's massive, when you glance at it, you say, oh, look at the downturn and the price of gasoline. It's two cents. And they're, they're, they're taking bows. <laughs> so the price of gasoline has gone up 50% since Biden took over. And now it drops two cents. And they're saying, well, you need to thank Joe for that. Even Philip Bum, a bump, I should say, from the Washington Post, said this might be the worst defense of the Biden administration yet. <laughs> I mean, they really think people are that stupid. Now, I, I realize that people don't watch the news. People, you know, the vast majority, uh, if you're listening to this program right now, you're in the minority because people don't want to be informed. People don't listen to the music. They want to watch their entertainment. And they really don't want to be informed. But they all have to go to the gas station to buy the, the gasoline. And they all see what the price of gasoline has done in less than a year. So in, in this kind of stuff, to claim, thank Joe Biden for the low gas prices, uh, it really is not the, the brightest thing they've ever done. Hey, we got to take a time out. Stay with us. More news and views for a Friday coming right up. When you wake, violent crime is way up. When you drive home, when it doesn't matter when, only where. The day's information is updated here on Talk 96.3 and 103.7 with Tom and Benny on News and Views on Talk 96. Welcome back in News and Views. And uh, sounds like we've got a uh, record skipping. Going back to the old vinyl record days. Uh, before the break, I was talking about Stacey Abrams and how, you know, uh, yeah, I've, I never complained. I never complained, even though she never acknowledged that uh, Brian Kemp won the Georgia governor's race. Um, she announced on Wednesday that she was running again, Stacey Abrams, for the governor of Georgia. An organization that sued Major League Baseball over moving the All-Star game from Atlanta earlier this year has now weighed in on Abrams' candidacy. The Job Creators Network was the group that sued Major League Baseball over the move, asserting that moving the All-Star game from Atlanta to Denver has done real harm to the communities of Atlanta, Cobb County, and the state of Georgia. More than 8,000 hotel race reservations were canceled. Revenues from ticket sales, concessions, and events at Truist Park, including the future games and home run derby, derby contest, by uh, would, would have been seen by 41,000 fans. That was lost. According to Cobb County Chief Financial Officer William Vlockman, the county would have received a robust return on its roughly $2 million investment to host the events. Previous Major League Baseball All-Star events have generated between $37 million and $190 million for their host communities. Atlanta is 51% African-American. Denver is 9% African-American, according to the U.S. Census. The um, CEO... Alfredo Ortez 
Um, he didn't exactly get an endorsement out for Stacey Abrams. In fact, he said, quote, I'm appalled that someone who purposely harmed the small business community of Atlanta by encouraging Major League Baseball to move the All-Star game to Colorado would have the nerve to run for Georgia's governor. If she has campaign ambitions, I suggest she run for the mayor of Denver. She's done much more to help the citizens there than anyone in Georgia. (laughs) Uh, She's running. And listen, uh, I I fully expect her to deny that uh, she had anything to do with Major League Baseball moving from Atlanta to Denver. Seriously doubt it. CNS News is reporting White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki on Thursday said that the pandemic is to blame for big cities seeing a spike in looting And she blamed guns for the record number of police officers being shot and killed this year. Cut two. Big cities are dealing with smash and grab robberies. A record number of police officers have been shot and killed this year. What is President Biden going to do about all this lawlessness? And does the president still think that crime is up because of the pandemic? I think uh, many people have conveyed that. And also one of the reasons that crime, one of the root reasons crime, we've uh, root causes of crime in communities is guns and gun violence. And we've seen that statistically around the country. To your point, so when a huge group of criminals organizes themselves and they want to go loot a store, a CVS, a Nordstrom, a Home Depot, until the shelves are clean, you think that's because of the pandemic? I think a root cause in a lot of communities is the pandemic, yes. Again, kudos to uh, Peter Ducey. He's the only one in the uh, White House press corps that asks any questions of any substance. Uh, So Biden is blaming guns and the pandemic for looting. Has nothing to do, has nothing to do with defunding the police, right? Has nothing to do with uh, zero bail. We're just, you you get arrested, you're released, no questions asked. Has nothing to do with that. Wow. Wow. It is amazing. (laughs) They brag about a two-cent drop in the cost of gasoline and then accept no responsibility. It's all about guns. has nothing. Yeah, the the guns, they're they're at fault. How about the SUV that drove through the parade? Are we going to blame guns on that? Was that that a pandemic issue? I, I realize the question wasn't directly about the parade, but it's about criminal activity you know over in california where much of this is happening they had a proposition that the governor there newsom was all about proposition 47 which basically said any robberies of less than a thousand dollars is a misdemeanor a misdemeanor Eh, equivalent to jaywalking loitering misdemeanor. And uh, now Newsom, that he sees that the citizens are standing outside the governor's mansion with uh, torches and pitchforks ready to tar and feather them, has finally said, you know, maybe, maybe if it's a second offender issue, we ought to, uh, we ought to charge him with a felony. So second offenders, we may, we ought to, and Newsom, what, he's blaming the locals, local governments. It's your fault. You're not arresting these people. <laughs> well, arrest them on what? 
as long as it's less than $1,000. And up to now, now you're saying second offenders, but as long as it's less than $1,000 per robbery, it's a misdemeanor, which means no jail time, no nothing. And now you're seeing retailers normally would have a good business. They're closing down their businesses. They're boarding up their businesses. They're saying the heck with it. And guess which communities are hurt the worst? The poor communities. You've got Walgreens, CVS, other pharmacies, convenience stores, shutting down and moving out of the neighborhood. People are not going to have a drugstore to go to. Why? Because guys like Newsom get behind Proposition 47. Oh, yeah, this, this is, this is, you know, reforming the criminal justice system. You know, we're, oh, yeah. Unbelievable. But that's how they do it. Joe Biden yesterday made remarks concerning uh, the fourth night of Hanukkah, wishing all his uh, Jewish friends a happy Hanukkah. Uh, he quickly turned the Hanukkah remarks into uh, pushing his Build Back Better social welfare program. What he did not utter, though, I mean, so he, he comes up and talks about, you know, the Jewish people, Hanukkah, and uh, he did he did condemn anti-Jewish bigotry. However, what he didn't say was rather alarming. Quite sadly, Biden did not utter a single word about the genocidal Iranian regime, likely because uh, <laughs> he he wants he is to, a sick puppy. Yeah, yeah, he's beyond a sick puppy. Um, but, I mean, his administration's everything trying to do all they can to reinstitute what Obama did. He'd probably like to send another $800 billion pallet of money over there. Uh, he made no mention of the anti-Jewish Jewish resolution passed by the United Nations General Assembly just on Wednesday, just the day before. Just happened the day before, and he didn't mention anything about it. The resolution brought forth by the Palestinian delegation and communist Venezuela regime refused to recognize Jewish ties to the Temple Mount and refers to the hill only by its Muslim name. Uh, this was passed of 129 to 11, 14 abstained. Those were mainly European countries. Uh, the, the, the United Nations, I mean, they, they are so anti-Semitic, it's unbelievable. And yet we still host them in the city of New York. Which, I mean, there are a lot of Jewish people that live in the city of New York, and we're hosting something so anti-Semitic as the United Nations. Boggles one's mind. Hey, we've got to take the last time out of the program. Stay with us. More news and views coming right up. Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. So I guess you heard earlier today the jobs report did not uh, bring in the jobs they thought. Economists were expecting more than 550,000 new jobs in November. The number that came in was 210,000, not exactly uh, anywhere close to what they thought, less than half. Following the release of the jobs numbers on Friday morning, Joe Biden attempted to spin terrible numbers, disastrous numbers, in a favorable direction 
And again, there's a theme here today. Remember, I just told you about how they were bragging about the two-cent drop in gasoline. Claiming November employment report, he quote, the what he said was, this is incredible news. <laughs> Incredibly bad news. He said it proves that the administration's job recovery is going very strong. Even after accounting for the rising prices, the typical American family has more money in their pockets than they did last year. Really? Have you noticed inflation there, Joe? November's employment report was panned by CNBC as a huge miss. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki apparently caught off guard. She was in the middle of an interview on MSNBC, and she had nothing to say about it. She, I, can't, I can't really comment on that right now. I'll circle around on that. What's more, a Gallup survey town hall covered yesterday revealed that 45% of Americans are experiencing economic hardship as a result of the lasting inflation that we told was it's transitory, whatever that means. Um, but Biden is saying this is incredible news. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> the guy's got his head up his rear end. I'm Why the sorry. hell would I take a test? <laughs> Please do. Is there anything in there? Wow. You can't make it up. Senate Democrats are blocking legislation that would prohibit imports from China made with Uyghur slave labor. The Muslim slaves over in China. The Biden administration officials fear the bill would torpedo climate negotiations with the Chinese government. I mean, what a joke. I mean, they're not worried about climate negotiations. I mean, go over to China. You cut the smog with a knife. People have worn the end of the right. They don't mind wearing the masks because they've been wearing the mask for years. Because if you don't, you breathe in all kinds of soot on a daily basis. You don't have to buy cigarettes. You just breathe the air. I mean, what the Biden administration is worried about, the China might stop buying Hunter Biden's artwork. The Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act, sponsored by Marco Rubio, that has long been circulating in Congress, is backed by the human rights community and opponents of China's forced labor camps. It was included in a package of 25 amendments to the annual defense authorization bill, according to a list distributed by the Senate leadership on Wednesday. But Democrats excluded the amendment from a vote late Wednesday night after members of the party privately objected to it, sources told the Free Beacon. Earlier in the evening, Democrats tried to use a procedural mechanism that would have allowed a vote on the act, but stripped it from the final authorization bill. They didn't want to vote on it. Why? Because they would have had to go down as voting for it or against it. As it turns out, basically, they voted for the Uyghurs to be continued to uh, into forced labor in communist China. Now, remember, these are the same people who want to vilify the United States of America because over 100 years ago, we had man-stealing. We had slavery. It was a blight on our history. They're still trying to blame America today and saying they're still guilty of such acts, and yet they don't vote for this bill that would have stopped slave labor in China. Hey, thanks for being with us. we got to run. See you on Monday. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.